as artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore, AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from OneTrust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the OneTrust team for their support. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. Hey folks, Matt here. Have you checked out our website lately? We've updated it with a few awesome products just for you. You can order our first ever super comfy t-shirt, inspirational startup posters for your office, or even our book, Plan Twice, Build Once, which contains the best insights from the 100 interviews that we conducted this year. Not only are these products incredibly high quality, but they also help fund Joelle, Michael, and I directly. Our plans for 2015 are nothing short of hyper-ambitious. And we need the help of our community in addition to our sponsors to continue bringing you two awesome episodes a week with the best entrepreneurs out there. If you don't like the sound of any of these products, you can also donate $10 or more to fund the show in 2015. And every dollar helps big time. Thank you so much for supporting us and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. I'm Joelle Steiniger. 
And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talked with Abby Lokesh of Fracture. So guys, what did you learn from Abby after this conversation? What I really like talking with him about is what it took to really get a physical product off the ground. We spend so much time talking to founders and people from software companies. And his product is something that like, when I hear how they built the early prototypes, literally sounds like in their living room. It, it was just awesome to hear how they got that going. And then going beyond early prototypes into finding a market and validating whether or not there's a real market for this product they're producing without spinning up a, a whole e-commerce company and production line. So it's really interesting to hear how they took startup methodologies and applied it to what they were focused on. Um, this is a really interesting one. So let's get into it. We'd like to take a moment to thank our awesome sponsors. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. Go to CodeShip.com slash Rocketship to get 20% off three months. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to Customer.io slash Rocketship to start sending emails that convert. We'd also like to thank Envision app. Envision is by far the best prototyping and collaboration tool on the market. I can personally say I can't imagine delivering another design comp without it. Go to envisionapp.com forward slash rocketship and sign up to get their starter plan free for 90 days. So tell us, what is Fracture? Sure. So Fracture is a photo product startup. So we are focused on redefining the way the world prints and displays its favorite images. And to us, the opportunity was really straightforward. People are taking, sharing, editing uh, playing around with more images than ever before. However, when you think about the life cycle of a digital image, it usually stops in the digital realm. Today, no one really prints and frames their photos anymore. And it's for, it's for a couple of reasons, right? Now, the first one is just because you don't need to. The whole point of digital imaging is that it kind of erased the need for you to have to print out all your four by sixes and see which ones you had red eyes in and which ones you closed your eyes in. Um, you don't need to do that anymore. You can just delete them when you take them and move on to the next picture. And what we really felt like was missing was, okay, how can we convince people that printing and displaying your favorite images is as easy and affordable and modern as can be, and it not have to be a distraction or a really cost-intensive, labor-intensive process. That could be something that could fit into everyone's really you know, mobile and busy lifestyle. And we could just give you guys a, a great photo product that you can you know, make the most out of. So why did you choose glass instead of going with a traditional frame route? So we really kind of look to glass as the natural evolution of the, the photo frame. So if you think about a photo frame, it's literally just a piece of glass that you stick a piece of photo paper behind and stick together with a mat and an overall you know, photo frame that brings everything together. And we thought to ourselves, well, wouldn't it be pretty cool if we could simply print it directly onto a piece of glass and eliminate all those moving parts. So instead of having a mat, a frame, piece of photo paper, and the actual frame that goes around it, what if we just had a picture frame and mount all in one, which was the actual piece of glass? So we thought to ourselves it would be a pretty cool evolution or, or iteration of the photo frame if we could just make it direct printed glass. What kind of issues did you come up with? I mean, you had this idea, the concept of what you wanted it to look like, but how did you get mm -hmm. that first version out? You know, so this is kind of where the road diverges, I guess, between a, a digital goods digital good startup or a purely digital startup and a physical good startup like, like ours. 
um, we had to really do a lot of prototyping and a lot of experimenting um, in the very beginning. And it was very cost intensive and, and time intensive. You know, my co-founder, Alex, is the MacGyver of our time. Uh, that's how I'd like to refer to him as. He can build anything from anything. And when we first came up with the idea, we knew immediately that the only way for us to test the idea at all was to build a prototype. So we had to fund with whatever money I had the startup job I had when I was in college. I gave him the money to you know buy the first printer, build the first prototype, see if we weren't totally crazy, and see if, there's, if there was something there that we could then further build upon and, and improve upon. So uh, long story short, I gave him a very, very small amount of money, whatever I had, for him to go out, buy a printer, break it apart, force feed a piece of glass, print on it, and say, well, yep, this, this is actually doable. Wow, that's really how you did it for the first one? That is how he did it. That's amazing. Yeah, that is, uh, that's how we did it for the first time. So when you're investing that much money and time into a physical product, you know, you can do kind of quick prototypes with software or things like that to gauge if it's something someone mm-hmm. really wants. How did you get like a really good fidelity version of this going and really test that the idea was going to work before you did any kind of mass production? It kind of goes hand in hand with how we uh, were funded a little bit. So first and foremost, I gave Alex, I think it was literally like $700 of savings from college to create that first prototype, right? And we then had to give the eyeball test, ask our eyeball quality test to say, well, okay, this is something that we want to spend just a little bit more money iterating on and prototyping on. And then I went to actually um, my father and um, a small group of his friends to get our first, very first early angel seed investment. And our premise to them was, hey, listen, we've got this idea, but before, like you said, before we can really go big with it and invest all sorts of money and, and um, in machinery and overhead, we would like to test it a little further. So could you give us some seed capital to buy a little bigger machine, get some small shop space for us to actually tinker a little bit more. And like you said, it's it's not easy and it's not exactly the shortest turnaround time just because we needed to order small pieces of equipment, we needed to wait for results, we needed to 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 prototype and 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 tinker around a little bit. And all of this is what Alex was doing for actually pretty much all of our second semester of senior year in college. There was a period of time which was our last semester in college where we were essentially trying to prove via getting that minimal viable prototype that this was something that we could actually go out and get further investment for and really test it in market. But there was also a certain amount of risk there because we frankly didn't do a whole lot a lot of market research testing or focus groups or consumer testing in the beginning. We showed it around a couple of people. Everyone said, oh yeah, that, that sounds great. And we just took it and ran with it. And you know, um, that's really where that risk was. So where did your first customers come from? So, you know, our first customers, I, I pretty vividly remember this. They were, uh, they were friends, friends and family or friends of friends and family in September of 2009. And they were really our, our first guinea pigs. And at this point, we had built the very first rudimentary stages of not just the product, but the fulfillment process and the logistics infrastructure. And, and by that, I mean things like shipping and order fulfillment and you know, order procurement and, and that whole thing. So it was a bit through word of mouth. You know, we had a small but decent network where we you know, asked people to place orders and test them and see if they actually received the orders um, and, and things like that. Because we actually had to invent our own custom packaging, our own proprietary packaging um, for the actual product. 
So there's a lot of things that were first-time endeavors in, in the early stages. What were some of the biggest mistakes you made early on that you had to correct? Oh, man, where to start? I, I really think a lot of the mistakes simply originated from the naivete of it being both Alex and Mai's first time ever doing anything like this. And actually, as I'm talking about it, I know for a fact that the first, the biggest mistake we made was not placing a focus on hiring the right people um, in the very beginning. And by that, I mean, you know, we were so focused on getting the product out, building the production infrastructure, and simply getting the product out to market that we didn't focus on hiring. We didn't put the proper emphasis on building the web dev team properly from the ground up, hiring kind of a third leg on the web dev department that could scale with the production infrastructure. That was really important. And, you know, you hear it all the time in business books about, you know, finding the best people and getting the right people on the bus. But, you know, it really hit us hard and slapped us in the face when, you know, we're growing, but we didn't have the web dev team to really grow with the rest of the company. So this year, you guys have concentrated heavily on marketing. I'd love to hear a little bit about what you guys are doing, what you're experimenting with that's actually moving the needle for you. So the best way to start with that is what were we doing wrong before this year? And I think the biggest thing we were doing wrong was the fact that we were simply relying too heavily on the fact that we thought our product was cool. So we thought that word of mouth and guerrilla marketing and any sort of viral PR we got would carry us to this magical point of traction and critical mass where then it would just kind of snowball and our and our cost practices would be really tiny. And what we realized was that was very incorrect and very wrong. Um, marketing is a is a science and there's there's a, a process to it. And when when we re- really started doing well this year was when we really started applying a formula to it and, and breaking down marketing into channels, saying, okay, well, what channels can we really gain awareness through? And surprisingly, one of the best marketing channels we've had is TV advertising. We were featured on a HDTV network channel called the DIY Network. Uh, you may have heard of it. Yes, um, yeah. So uh, they, the producers of that channel called I Want That reached out to us about two years ago and said, hey, through word of mouth, we heard about your product. We'd love to feature your product on the show. You, you guys want to send us some samples? Sure. Cost us you know, nothing but the cost of making the samples. And so we went, went ahead and sent them over. And a couple months later, we were featured on that show. And it just so happened that every time we've been featured on a rerun of that show, sales would spike. And we just simply tried to connect the dots. And we said, okay, well, listen, how could we make this a little bit more sustainable as opposed to just relying on random reruns of the show? Mm-hmm. So our marketing department decided, well, what if we create a TV commercial? So we worked with a fantastic video house out of LA called Sandwich Video. They've made incredible videos for, you name it, Google, Yahoo, Groupon, incredible startups, small and, large, small and you know, large and everything in between. And we created a, a TV commercial and we started airing it uh, right around this time last year. And it's been the single largest driver of awareness and, and, and traffic to our site. And that, that in itself has kind of been a revelation that, okay, the offline advertising isn't dead and that it could work for us. And from there, it was saying, okay, well, that was one channel that hit us at the top of the funnel. Now, how do we continue to engage these individuals? How do we continue to make them more loyal and come back? And so the marketing went from this really scatterbrained, let's just hope we get on, you know, on Oprah's TV show or something like that to, okay, you know, we'll use TV advertising to get them aware of Fracture. Then we'll use, you know, um, behavioral retargeting um, ad networks to, you know, show relevant ads to people who have visited the site. We'll use Google ads, like like you said, you, you saw Fracture through, to work with relevant keywords. 
We use email marketing to convert people who have who've been users of the site. So it just went from being something that was really ambiguous to something that was a bit more of a, a, a process-driven engine. And that's really what we began to appreciate. And we're just scratching the surface of that, and it's really starting to pay off for us. How do you guys evaluate how well a TV ad works? <laughs> that's, uh, that's the black box right now. That's the black box that we're trying to really crack open and, and understand because it's difficult, right? One of the correlations we tried to do was, you know, let's monitor our traffic, let's monitor our, um, our sales and see if we could basically determine that when a TV show aired, you know, traffic and sales went up um, accordingly. And we've really done our best to test different sorts of shows, different schedules of airing throughout the week. Um, you know, surprisingly, we found out that weekdays are sometimes better than weekends. And, you know, o- over the course of this year, we've really done a lot to try and, again, even figure that out. But, you know, as we've grown bigger and bigger and as our marketing budget has kind of increased, we've learned that, again, the world of digital marketing is really becoming something that's, again, more process-driven. So there are actually a number of software vendors and programs out there that help with attribution modeling or, you know, being able to attribute sales to both online and offline channels, offline channels like TV or radio or even, you know, paper catalogs. So as we get bigger and as we grow into next year, uh, what we're really focusing on is taking our marketing to the next level by integrating those sorts of softwares into the Fracture marketing engine. Nice. Which ones are you guys looking at using? The, the couple that have popped up are um, companies like Convertro or Adometry by, by Google. And for us, it's, you know, how do we sift through almost, it seems like, an endless kind of assortment of vendors and, you know, there, there are um, ad buying platforms and real-time bidding platforms and all sorts of things that, you know, it kind of can get a little overwhelming if you're not ready for it. And so we needed to make sure we were ready for that sort of, that level of marketing. And, you know, now I kind of, I'm getting pretty confident that we're, that we're ready for that stage. Nice, nice. So you did a, a TEDx talk. And in it, you talk about a lot of, I guess, like what it is to be a founder. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the concepts that you touch on is stop drinking the Kool-Aid. And I'd love if you could expand on that for our listeners. You know, the really simple way of putting it is that it's not an easier, glamorous journey. And if it is, I think you're doing something wrong. You know, if I remember correctly, and I remember this part of the presentation vividly, because it was one I think that was most personal to me, was the fact that there's a bit of a, a glamour or mystique that these days that comes around being a, a CEO or having a title like founder or startup founder or startup CEO. And you've got to get rid of that mindset as soon as possible and realize that this is, this is a really, really difficult, pretty lonely job. And, you know, if you're going to make the most of this opportunity, you have to just put your head down um, and, and get working as hard as you can or else whatever fanfare, whatever elation that you felt in the beginning of giving yourself this title that really doesn't mean much, it's going to disappear really quickly. And you're going to be left with not much, not much to show for your efforts. So, you know, it was, I mean, that was, that presentation was, you know, a little over two years ago. And, you know, even, even till this day, it it probably rings true as one of the most powerful sentiments that I keep trying to remind myself of, which is, you know, it, it doesn't mean much if you don't really have that work ethic of wanting to start and build an enterprise on your own. 
So in, in that presentation, you kind of, it, it was it was a bit comical, I'm sure, but you described yourself as like the intellectual runt of your family. And that was kind of mm-hmm. a, a moment when you realized you need some humble pie. And yeah. how has your family, what, how do they view what you're doing today? You know, I, to be honest, I'm pretty sure if you ask my mother, she wouldn't, she couldn't describe what I do on a daily basis. And I, I think that really comes from the fact that they're, at least my parents are different from are from a different generation and different, and they have a different mindset when it comes to what it means to have a career or what it means to have a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm grateful that my father is actually was our first investor, so he gets it. I mean, he's been really supportive and uh, and really um, helpful with providing critical you know, critical feedback. But you know, there, everyone else in my family, like I said in the presentation, is a doctor. So yeah. you know, for for me to be quote unquote, an entrepreneur or a, a small businessman. And, you know, to them, they're like, where's the job security in that? You know, what, you know, how do you, you know, how do you build a stable life around that? And, you know, those are questions that I have a hard time boiling down into a, into a simple answer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not a yes or no. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Where do we keep up with you and Fracture Online? Essentially every social media outlet um, we're on, our Facebook presence is going pretty pretty tremendously. So we're on Facebook at Fracture Me. And then you can keep up with me on Twitter. My my Twitter handle is ABCEO. And of course, you know, check out our email newsletter. We're always sending out tips and tricks and, and more info about photography and digital imaging as well. Some fun Easter eggs about Fracture and discounts and things like that. Yeah, very cool. And it, it is a fantastic product. So keep up the great work. I definitely appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, where twice monthly we send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's rocketship.fm. Sign up today.